0: our Savior, our Lord, and our life.
1: Beloved, we are so blessed that you've joined us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name's John Russell, and I kind of serve as the host, but not really. I'm here with my sidekick, Pastor Frank Friedman. How are you doing today, my friend? John, it's a Monday. Start the work week. (laughs) (laughs) And so that means things are not going well, or uh, you're Uh, counting the days to retirement?
2: It's a typical Monday, lots of technology flubs and stuff like that. What What did we do before technology, John?
1: I, I don't know. I really don't. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that Frank and I are uh, just two old guys and we struggle with technology. So if you're listening out there and you have an interest or desire to help two old guys who are struggling with aspects of technology, please reach out to us. We certainly can use your (laughs) help (laughs) as we are plowing through our conversation on chapter two of Colossians. And if uh, you've joined us for the first time, we're in the middle of discussing the follow-up, the great answer to the question, why? Why does Paul spend so much time in the early parts of chapter two explaining all the things that Jesus Christ has done in us and for us? And I love this list, Frank. That's why I mention it almost every time we talk. He's made us complete in him. We lack nothing. He's completely separated us from the power of sin. So if we choose to sin, we choose. It doesn't have any power over us anymore. He has completely changed our identity. We've been buried with him in baptism, raised to new life. Every single one of our sins is forgiven. He's canceled a long list of offenses that was against us my goodness. And then he triumphed over his enemy, our enemy, and made us conquerors with him. He put him to shame, Frank, what an incredible thing. And so we asked, why? Why exactly did Jesus do all this? And so we've been answering that question last episode and this, and the reason boils down to something very simple, Frank, doesn't it? That We are to use these truths to stand strong against the onslaught of the enemy and the onslaught of the world who will try to get our focus off of Jesus. And Frank, last time we spent quite a bit of our conversation on the importance of being steadfast and holding tightly to this truth. Tell us again why that is important. Because
2: Jesus said he is the truth. He said, he is the way he is the life. So he is both John, the path and the destination to the path. He's everything. And, you know, when I, I look at this, John, I was just looking at the passage before we got together, we come to this final few verses and he says, therefore, and, you know, whenever I see that, I always want to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And you go back. And, John, I would look at these two chapters and I do it in the form of a question, three questions. First of all, I would say, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And and that's really you know, chapter one, he's the invisible God, the firstborn. He created everything, everything in heaven and earth. They were created by him, for him. He's before all things. By him, everything exists. Do you understand who Jesus Christ is? He's the king of the universe. And then I would ask, well, do you know who you are? And then you say, you were buried with him, crucified, resurrected. You have the fullness of God dwelling inside of you. You're absolutely perfect and complete. You've been set free from sin and death and the law, and you're alive to God. That's who you are. Do you know who you are? You can answer the first two questions, and you really know who Jesus Christ is, and you really know who you are in him. Then you'd ask the third question. Who are these people that are trying to lead you away from him? In other words, what are you even dealing with them for? That, Paul said in Galatians, was foolishness. And, you know, there was one translation in Galatians that was struggling with much the same issue. And when Paul wrote to him, he said, you dear idiots. <laughs> you <know? laughs> what is wrong with you? Don't listen to those people. They're trying to beguile you. They're trying to spoil you. They don't have your
1: best interests at heart. Amen. Ah. And, you know, Frank, we've been talking about the importance of clinging tightly to these truths because the enemy is such a good persuader and Mm. he is such a good liar and he can take a little tiny dash of lie, mix it with the truth. And it can be just as poisonous as if it were completely lie, but we have to be Mm. on guard. And so we're going to wrap up today, Frank, in chapter two and cover the last three verses, verses 20 to 23. And let me start us off here by reading through these verses. Mm. Uh, Paul writes... If with Christ you died, and let's stop right there. This is a first-class condition, so let me rephrase that. Because (laughs) you died with Christ, hello, you've died with Christ (laughs) to all these elemental spirits of the world, these basic things that mean nothing. So because you've died to them, why, as if you were still alive in the world, Do you submit to the regulations? It's like, this doesn't make any sense. I've already told Mm. you that you've died to these, but you're still submitting to them. And the word submit is interesting, my friend. It means they are willingly, voluntarily lining themselves under these regulations. Paul continues, verse 21, Mm. do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And it refers to these things that that are perishing. Right in front of our very eyes, they're perishing. And they have only one basis, Frank. He says that they're according to human precepts and human teachings, not God's. Now, in their, uh, in their benefit, in the, on the plus side, they certainly have an appearance of wisdom. I'm reading now from verse 23. They have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. My friend, we've lived this. We can talk about this for days, Mm -hmm. but I want to jump right in here. Let's talk about why Paul was so strong in bringing them back to the very basic truth that they're dead to these elemental things of the world. Why is that critical, my friend? I trust our
2: listeners know if they don't, I trust they'll hear it today. The cross is the pivotal moment in the history of mankind we in the church often get all caught up in the baby born at christmas time i don't want to be misheard or misinterpreted here john the incarnation is a mind-boggling thing that god would become man Sometimes, John, I think I mistakenly called the incarnation kindergarten, but the cross and the resurrection are doctoral work in education. I don't think that was as correct as I should have been. I maybe should have said the incarnation was master's work. It is mind-boggling. It is incredible. God became man. But we're not supposed to worship a baby. We're not supposed to get enamored with a baby. There was no halo around the baby. It was the king in baby form. And the key was that he. there was a purpose to the incarnation. He came to die. That's the key. He died so that he could be resurrected. He was resurrected so he could ascend to a throne. And that all occurred so that he could open the scrolls of the book of Revelation that had been sealed up so that you and I could gain understanding into the plan of God, that we were created to rule and to reign with him. And when we messed it up, he wouldn't let it remain messed up. He came as a man because that was the only way someone worthy could open the scrolls and things could be set right. And at the cross, John, this is the key. It wasn't just him that died. We died with him. Paul in Galatians 6 said, hear these words, I pray, listeners. By the cross, I was crucified to the world. The world was crucified to me. Though I live in this world, as Jesus said, I'm no longer of it. We have been transferred, as earlier stated in Colossians, into the kingdom of God. We live in the spiritual realm. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors from the throne who still live physically in this world, but we are not governed by the physical things of this world anymore. You can't make it any more clear, John, and yet the church always struggles
1: with externals. Indeed. You know, Frank, you talked about Galatians chapter six, just to remind our listeners very soon, Frank and I will be having our, we're calling it a conversational commentary, verse by verse, the book of Galatians, watch out for that. But you mentioned Galatians chapter six, when Paul says the world has been crucified to me, and I've been crucified to the world in this book that we're publishing. We address that. And it means that the world no longer has power in our lives we don't have to respond in lockstep it's been crucified to us it no longer controls us and we've been crucified to the world which means that when we walk in the spirit as believers frank the things of the world which formerly attracted us begin to fade and they seem just steadily less interesting as we walk more and more in lockstep with our savior They just begin to lose their attraction, man. The the bright colors of the world fade away in the glory of the king. So it's a powerful thing that Paul says there in Galatians chapter 6. And then he also says in chapter 5 of Galatians, if we've died to these things, why do we voluntarily submit to them? You know, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So stand firm. Don't submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery. Verse one of chapter five. But Frank, we do. So I want to ask you the question. This is the preacher question. Are you ready? Why? I mean, you've been counseling and pastoring for decades. Why do people willingly choose to do this?
2: John, I would have to answer with a twofold answer. One is that they are ignorant of the finished work of christ they don't know that it's all been done so they think they have to still do to merit acceptance before god or if it's not ignorance if they know it's unbelief in what they know and so instead of adhering to that it's all been done And living with spiritual eyes, eyes of faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, in their unbelief, in their failure to once and for all settle in their mind that the work is finished, they will then walk with earthly eyes and put their eyes on things that look good Look at how dedicated we are. Look at how sacrificial we are. Look at how determined we are. Look at how holy we are because of the things that we are doing. And we will have instead a desire to look good in a show of worship, as it says here in Colossians, instead of believing that Christ has made us good. And so, John, it's it's ignorance, it's unbelief, it's uh, walking by sight because of
1: that ignorance and unbelief instead of walking in the spirit. You know, Paul picks up that same thought in verse 21 when he he gives examples of these earthly deceptions. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to all these things that are just perishing. They're human teachings. Frank, we don't really have a lot of those same restrictions in the modern church today, but we certainly have a bunch of new ones, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> Relating oh. to behavior and appearance and lifestyle, you know, how we wear our hair and how we wear our clothes and types of Bible versions. I mean, you name it, there is a slant on that. And there is somebody out there who thinks that is the most important thing ever. So I guess there's just no end to the ways that we can creatively devise paths to make ourselves feel good and safe and right apart from the Messiah.
2: Well, John, you just said there's no end to the different ways. Let me address that. I had some spark in my brain as soon as you said that. If you don't get life and acceptance... From Christ and his finished work, you're going to have to be inventing ways to find it because all of those ways that you invent are going to be inferior to the finished work of Christ. So you have to come up with an infinite amount of your ways to get what only Christ can give. Mm -hmm. So you know what I'm saying? So you're going to have to just have a multiplicity of different things to do. Which version to use? Is it King James, New American Standard? We baptize by immersion. Well, we baptize by sprinkling. Well, we don't eat fish on Fridays. Well, oh my goodness, John, there's gonna be no end to it. And we're gonna use those things to put down others who don't do it the way we do it so that we can feel better about ourselves Because we're not getting the right view of ourselves from the finished work of Christ. That's right. And so religion is mean and ugly and arrogant and prideful. And John, you know, as I think about this, I have to chuckle. That's why I'm so in love with our Savior. And I know you are. Because in the gospel accounts, he purposely violated the little man-made rules of the Pharisees to show them that they were man-made rules. (laughs) You know, he (laughs) he healed that guy on the Sabbath. He spit and made clay on the Sabbath when he healed the person born blind. It was almost like Jesus was going in your face. You know, how dare you put such bondage on the people that I'm calling to faith You know, why would you have all those little rules to keep them from me when I have made it easy for them to come to me? John, it's nothing short of hideous. It's wrong, and it needs to be
1: stopped. You know, Frank, you and I have talked so many times about the fence laws that Old Testament Judaism would create. You know, they didn't want to break any of the laws God gave, so they fabricated these other laws that we now call fence laws and we Mm -hmm. make fun of those. But you know, my friend, looking at the modern church, we have our fence laws too. You know, for example, scripture is plain. It's not very wise if we get drunk. And so the fence law says, well, then don't drink that way. It'll protect Mm -hmm. you from doing that. We're not wise if we commit adultery. Well, then we shouldn't dance (laughs) and we shouldn't dress Mm -hmm. a certain way. And so, The fence laws are with us everywhere, and our Father wants to tear those down in our lives the same way he worked, as you just described, to tear them down in the lives of the New Testament folks who are just coming to faith. I think of Acts chapter 10. You remember the verse, Frank, where Peter is called to go to Cornelius' house. Jesus gave him the keys of the kingdom, and he's on the way to open the door of faith to the Gentiles. And Peter says to Cornelius, well, you know that it's unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company or or with somebody from another nation. Well, that's not unlawful. That was a fence law. And so even the apostles wrestled with these. And so they need to come down. And the only way we can do it is by leaning tightly into our Savior and letting him show us where we've constructed fences where he has not. And we can learn then to trust his life in us to keep us from sinning, because that's what this whole thing's about. How do you keep from sinning? My goodness. Did I get it right, Pastor?
2: Yeah, you know, John, it's interesting listening to you. I had two things pop up in my brain. One was that account when you said even the apostles' Galatians, when Peter was exercising his Christ-given freedom and eating Gentile food because. If you really get Christ, there's no such thing as Gentile food. No such thing as kosher food. Food is food. First Timothy 4, and you sanctify that food, set it apart by saying thanks to God. In the Corinthian letter, even if it was meat offered to an idol, to a pagan deity that is sourced by the demonic If you take that meat and say, thank you, Jesus, you can eat that meat. That's how big our victory is. And when Peter saw that certain Christians, believers from Jerusalem showed up who had not yet arrived into freedom, he quit eating. It was hypocrisy. And John, this is what religion always does. It puts us in bondage to other people instead
1: of devotion to god oh good word my friend say that again
2: religion puts us in bondage to people instead of devotion to god and we would have to add because we've recognized that the work of sanctification and salvation is finished in
1: jesus christ my goodness verse 23 of chapter 2 where paul says these have an appearance of wisdom Because they promote self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, and they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Frank, we've been talking about this the whole past two episodes, the appearance of wisdom. This phrase, self-made religion, in my version, is used here. The only time it's used in scripture is used here. And it means worship that someone prescribes and devises for themselves. It's contrary to the faith, which we should direct to Christ. But they fabricated in their minds to make them feel good and safe and right apart from the Savior. And this is what this entire chapter boils down to. While it looks good on the outside, it's a hollow bunny, my friend. There's no substance because here's the clincher. It has no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It doesn't keep us from sinning. Why is this so important, my friend? Why is this the last thing the apostle says in this chapter?
2: Well, John, it ultimately goes back to the Garden of Eden and the lie that we shall be as God. And so within every one of us that we struggle with the deception of that lie, even to this day, we have to keep refuting that lie. Otherwise, we're going to live under this idea of we've got to be right. And everybody has to know we're right. And then Adam wasn't the only one who ate Eve ate. And so we've got to be right in their eyes. And so we're going to be in bondage to people. We have to get settled once and for all that there's only one God. And there's only one person in the world that we have to put a smile on their face. And that is God's. We are complete in him. We have to believe that. We don't have to try to make ourselves right or better in our eyes or anyone else's. And that's all religion is, John. It's an external call to look good on the outside. And it is important to have a good reputation. Scripture talks about that. But the more important issue is to have the right reputation on the inside, (laughs) where God has declared you righteous, and you know you're righteous. And so we don't look away from Jesus to anything else
1: that would make us right. That's right. And the importance of that very last phrase in that very last verse They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Frank, you and I have seen this for years. All these uh, behaviors and trappings, they don't stop people from sinning. Paul is very Mm -hmm. clear in Titus chapter 2. He says this, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Of course, the grace of God is a person, Jesus Christ. And then he says this in verse 12 of chapter 2, he and he alone trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. So only the grace of God, the person of Jesus, can really empower us and train us to live a life that's honoring to our Father. None of these other trappings do anything except puff us up.
2: John, that's the key. You said it doesn't do anything for the flesh if you keep all those little man-made rules you get prideful just like you said if you don't keep them you feel judged criticized a failure
1: you can't win (laughs) yeah you know law and we've talked about this a lot of times my friends over the years law does not stop sin no Mm -hmm. you know making laws all these fence laws we've talked about in this episode they do nothing except stir up more sin. So my friend, Mm -hmm. we're about the end of our time. Wrap us up here today. Bring everything into a single focus here in chapter two.
2: Well, John, you started it out with the one key word, freedom. Freedom from the law, freedom from sin, freedom from people who function as God, calling you to their behaviors and religions and externals. But there's a second half to that equation. Freedom to the Lord Jesus Christ, where we find his life and live from his life. You know, John, years ago, when you and I were in our legalism battle to win a church to the new covenant, uh, I don't know if you remember this. I hope you do. But we had a, a person come to an elders meeting and say these words. They didn't like the freedom and life that we were proclaiming. They wanted to have rules so they could know what to do i remember those words wow yeah it was a total area to trust christ as the one who would always lead them into life never into sin yeah it, it's just so sad that yeah. people would prefer an external code to an internal king it blows amen. your mind
1: amen <laughs> well friends uh, you've been listening to the our resolute hope podcast as Frank and I have been chatting our way through Chapter Two of the Epistle to the Colossians, and if Father ministered to you today, challenged you in some way, uh, please let us know. You can contact us on our website www.ourresolutehope.com. Uh, you'll find lots of articles, devotionals, ebooks there, etc. There's also a way to contact us, so please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, follow us on all of our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, our own YouTube channel. And of course, we always cover your prayers as we labor to bring the truth of Christ's life to the church who does so desperately needs to hear it. And as always, we close with this same reminder from Hebrews chapter six. Frank, we say it every week, but it never gets old. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. We call it a resolute hope, an immovable bedrock kind of hope. And our hope is a person. Our hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose hope, choose Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you, As you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.